Ready to go on a never-ending journey as I explore the keys to longevity and quality of life with the most brilliant and enlightened minds on the planet? Join us as we embark on the quest for ideal health. I'm Ava, your host and the founder of the Rockwell School of Functional and Holistic Medicine, where holistic visions come to life. In our premiere episode, we proudly present you Dr. Circus, author of 22 books and founder of Natural Allopathic Medicine. With over 4 million views on YouTube, on today's show, he teaches us never heard of before key anti-aging secrets and so much more. I promise this interview is epic and it's going to be life-changing for all who listen. Okay, so first of all, uh, I just want to say, wow, I'm, it's a great honor for me to have this time with you. And I want to thank you for opening yourself up to our audience. Our students have all become familiar with you through our program where we teach pH medicine based off of your sodium bicarbonate book and your videos, and they all know and love your work. However, in preparing for our interview... I see that I've only scratched the surface. So this is kind of a serious episode for our our podcast because it's also our first podcast. But for anyone who's watching, most people have yet to fully understand the gravity and weight of your life's work, which is extensive to say the least. I think of you as ahead of your time. And I tell my students that you're on the cutting edge of what I call fringe medicine. Because to me, that means like you go beyond just functional, holistic, you were talking like whole new worlds. (laughs) And if I had the means to create a perfect utopian world, you would definitely be one of the people who would play a major role in that process. Very, very. Yeah, you're welcome. So for those who are watching, Dr. Circus is a pioneering licensed acupuncturist, uh, one of the first in the States and a doctor of oriental medicine. He's also a doctor of pastoral medicine, and he coined the term natural allopathic medicine. I know him for his work with sodium bicarbonate, commonly known as baking soda and iodine and selenium, which he uses therapeutically and teaches our forms of medicine more than just an element on the periodic chart. He specializes in oxygen medicine, hydrogen medicine, red light therapy, and therapeutic cannabis. He's had over 4 million YouTube views. You can find his channel on YouTube. Just search Dr. Circus. So he's a multi-author who's written 22 books, many of which have been translated into other languages, and some of which we require, and some of which we suggest in our program. Let's see. So I know that's a lot. I'm almost finished. But before we start, I want to talk about his authorship. So he's written Treatment Essentials, Practical Natural Allopathic Medicine. This book is in its third edition and basically a foundational be-all, end-all for preventing and reversing cancer naturally. He's written Iodine, Bringing Back the Universal Medicine, Selenium Medicine, and the Rising Tide of Mercury, First Aid with Sodium Bicarbonate and TH Medicine, Water Medicine, Human Pediatrics, nuclear toxicity syndrome, oxygen therapy, magnesium therapy, heart health, diabetic care, healing through love and sex, medical marijuana, beyond the smoke screen. All right, that's all I'm going to list. But I'm literally ecstatic 
So I'm ready to start the interview. This is going to be epic. So in a nutshell, uh, what is the science of the pure? Science of pure revolves around two substances. One is clay that is comes from underground, so it's not polluted with anything above ground. So mined clay, specifically bentonite clay. And uh, magnesium, you, met, you didn't mention my two magnesium books, Transdermal Magnesium Therapy and The Ultimate Heart Medicine. Magnesium oil, the ones that I recommend, come from the Zischtein Sea which is an underground sea that starts in England, goes under the English Channel, through the Netherlands, all the way out to Ukraine. It's a sea trapped 1,500 meters underground for millions of years, and they just pump it up. It's 35% magnesium, or magnesium. That's why it's oily. There's no oil in it. And because it's been down there, it also has not been polluted by the surface because everything is polluted on the surface, everything. We can talk about that, but everything. So like from this magnesium oil, it has 0. 0.00003 micrograms or parts per million of mercury, where anything on the surface is, all the air, food, water is polluted with mercury. And the, the characteristics of the pure, it basically resolves, revolves around the clay something that's so pure, it's like a sponge. A sponge, it just will soak up water. Something this pure will soak up poisons and help the body eliminate it. And that's why I wrote the chapter. Must be 15 years ago or something, Science of the Pure. Wow, that that is literally incredible. I've never, I never knew about this underground sea and it's incredible that you had that knowledge so long ago. Your repertoire is so extensive. So that's incredible. So in a nutshell, what is humanitarian medicine? Humanitarian medicine? Yeah, I saw that as a chapter in one of your books, I believe. Mm, well, you basically, you might as well describe my medicine, which I call natural allopathic medicine. But humanitarian medicine could be considered something that's within the reach of the human race something that's accessible to billions of people, not just the rich people or people in America or Canada or Europe. And the basic things in my protocol, let's just talk about the very basics. Chlorine dioxide, magnesium, iodine, selenium, and baking soda, which has got to be one of the cheapest substances in the world. I mean... You can buy a box of arm and hammers for, I don't know what it is in America now, probably a few dollars. And it's a lot of medicine. It's a lot of medicine. And these medicines really have the power not only to be used in ambulances, emergency rooms, and ICU departments, powerful enough to be used when a patient is dying to save a life, in my, my form of medicine, which I, I always say is stolen from ICU and emergency rooms, because if a person is dying of cardiac arrest and they use their whole protocol of pharmaceuticals and the patient is still dying, 
They're dying. They have nothing else to give them. What does a good doctor in a good hospital give them? Historically, is mag an injection of magnesium chloride or magnesium sulfate, preferably magnesium chloride. It works like a charm when nothing else works in the last minutes of life. That's its power. You can say the same thing about bicarbonate. Bicarbonate is used in ambulances, emergency rooms, and ICU. And it's also used by good doctors. And I don't know how many good doctors are around anymore, especially after this COVID nightmare. Where the same thing, they pull it helps. Well, it saves them. It, it saves literally them. saves them. The, the, an injection of when a person's uh, has sepsis or <clears throat> their, their blood is turning to acid and the person's going to die, it's the perfect medicine. Perfect. But in my form of medicine, why you could call it humanitarian, is people around the world can use these basic medicines, not when they're dying. Sure, you can use when they're dying. Some doctors do. But you can, if you have cancer or diabetes, you can use them every day. And if you have stage four cancer, every day, all day, using the same power that saves lives in a heartbeat to cure very serious life-threatening diseases inexpensively. So... I know that you are an acupuncturist by trade. I don't know how actively you practice it. And that was one of, no. <laughs> okay. That was one of my next questions was, do you get acupuncture? And it might sound silly. I don't know if you give it to yourself or your family. No. My wife. You do. Okay. Incredible. Very cool. But, um, but that's it. That's it. That's it. You don't feel like you need it though yourself? I don't like needles. Really? I've always had the understanding that, you know, the acupuncture, they just go in so shallow that it's not really, but for you, you're just not into it. Well, when I'm desperate, my wife gives it to me and it usually doesn't hurt. You know, so it's not really a big deal. Sometimes I think it doesn't hurt enough because that means it's not working enough for me. With my wife, it's a dream. It just always works. Yes. Yeah. So acupuncture is one of those really fascinating things. It's like a physiological and also an energetic medicine, at least from my impression. It's obviously not something we teach because it's a, it's a licensed practice. So um, it's like clearing like invisible mer meridians and actually working physiologically. Is my understanding correct with that? You'd have to say that again. Is it, It's like it works physiologically, but it's also clearing meridians like on a... Yes, energy basis. Right. Like for me personally, my, you know, I'm, I just turned 70. You know, I've had a lot of difficulties in my 60s. And it was actually good because I had to research more and more to come up with the best medicines for me, for myself. And my the, disease is a good word. This ease is mostly energetic. It's between the energetic level and the physical, but it never gets down into a real physical disease, a, a diagnostical uh, disease. 
So I mean, but it, you know, I can suffer physical pain, especially vagus nerve inflammation. You know, basic reason is I'm a type AAA personality. You know, used to work 14 hours a day to do everything I've done in the last 15, 20 years. And my stress readings were always, and I have a thing, a device to measure stress, was always off the charts, basically. On a scale from zero to a thousand in my machine, which comes from Russia, sometimes the machine had to recalibrate to 3,000 because I was at 2,000. So, you know, it's a good explanation for whatever I went through this past 10 years. That that all makes sense. And it, it is, I understand completely. Um, so what what's the machine that you use to test stress? I know I can already hear people asking the question. It's called the Veda pulse. It's taking it's taking your pulse and it's measuring the heart rate variability. Most of us grew up, you know, just assuming if your heart's beating 72 beats a minute, it's 72 equal beats a minute. If your heart is beating 72 equal beats a minute, you're probably in ICU because it, it, the, the name of the test is heart rate variability. Your heart rate is supposed to change every beat. And the more it changes, the more flexible it is, the healthier you are. And the more it's flatlining, the more stress. So it measures that and it can tell you the color of your underwear. I mean, this machine, if you buy all of the different programs, can tell you your aura and the energies of each of the organs, can give you acupuncture treatments, it can give you diet and herb. I mean, it can tell you everything. I love it. Thank but you for sharing that. That's incredible. I've never heard of that um, device. Um, so yeah, that's very, very interesting. Recently, uh, I've been doing a combination of fasting and, and medical baths, and I've always really loved the medical baths. And I obviously learned a ton from you. And I noticed the other night I, I do them so hot and I, I just sweat profusely. I, I also love dry sauna, but I notice when I get out, I have to have the bed close by and lay down quickly. Like my heart is racing from sitting in a bath which I find highly fascinating. And even though I know a lot and I have the school, I obviously don't know everything. And I started looking into it and I found that this practice can actually like help clear your arteries even, which is so bizarre to me. So you're talking about the heart beating and stuff. Um, it's really fascinating and it seems so simple. And that's one thing that I love about your work is that it's, it's built on these really simple fundamentals, but it's still complex and so rich and diverse, you know, and it, it's like a rabbit hole for each, you know, selenium, iodine, magnesium, hydrogen peroxide, oxygen medicine. It's, I love it. So um, let's see here. I'm looking at some of my notes. So I said, how amazing is it that nature provides so much medicine on such simple terms? And do you think, you know, nature holds all the answers? <laughs> Maybe a naive question, but I would safely say most of them. Most of them, yeah. Okay, so can you talk about the pharmaceutical industrial complex that rules the nation in terms of, is there any pharmaceutical that you would take, like ivermessin or hydrochloroquine or anything 
Um, or do you believe like there are some good pharmaceuticals for emergency bacterial infections like strep and blood from delayed UTI kidney infection treatment? Um, or do you think that they are part of like the root cause issue? Ideally, if we could treat bacterial infections, for example, uh, with bacteriophage, which I'm sure you're familiar with. I mean, that would be a perfect world if we had phage banks in every city across the nation or the globe, every major city, but we don't. So barring a utopic world where we're utilizing every natural alternative, is there any pharmaceutical that you would use, approve of, or condone in an emergency situation? Or do you, you know, sometimes it seems like we have to, right? Like, like sepsis, because most people probably aren't going to know magnesium chloride might help with that. Well, then let's talk about chlorine dioxide. Okay. Or what used to be called MMS, still called MMS. MMS is the chemical form of chlorine dioxide. CDS is the gas dissolved in the water, pure chlorine dioxide gas, which is what I use. Every, you know, every water expert in the United States knows about chlorine dioxide. It's used by half the public water systems instead of chlorine. Why do they use it? Because it kills viruses, bacteria, and fungus, like all of them. And some, some microorganisms, but basically viruses, bacteria, and fungus on contact. Iodine at high enough dosages does the same thing. Chlorine dioxide does it differently. And I use that extensively. And I am the perfect person to talk about chlorine dioxide, which is legal in every country in the world to treat water. It's legal for campers to use it to purify their water when they're out in the wilderness. Dentists can use it legally, for, for instance, to treat bad breath, because bad breath is not a disease. But in every country in the world, except Bolivia, one country, it's illegal to treat disease. The pharmaceutical people would rather you die than use chlorine dioxide. They will lie about it, like they lie about everything. And if, we, if you don't know that today, after this incredible scandal of COVID, and the COVID vaccines. I say I'm the perfect person to talk about it. For 12 years, I was publicly online against it, against it, 95% <laughs> against it. In January of this year, I got COVID. And I wrote an essay called 11 Days in Omicron Hell. My wife panicked the first day I couldn't even drink water. My throat was so, so painful. So she panicked and she would never give ivermectin to my ki our kids. And I have six kids. But she gave it to me. She called the pharmacy. They, they sent out ivermectin and antibiotics. And I was throwing the kitchen sink at it. It kept me out of the hospital, but I was suffering like a dog. And then a famous actor in Brazil and his girlfriend stopped by my house and gave me a bottle of CDS, which is chlorine dioxide in this gaseous form, dissolved in water. One day I took it, 
The next morning, I ran to my wife's bedroom. I started jumping up and down. I said, I'm back. Since then, I wrote a book. I published it, I guess, in May called Forbidden Cures, because it's forbidden. I tried to kind of created a revolution inside the chlorine dioxide community because it's very religious and cultish. And because I want, needed to integrate it into my whole protocol, but I put it in front. I put it as the most important lead item. My holy trinity of medicines, so the top three is chlorine dioxide, magnesium, and bicarbonate. And you can cover magnesium and bicarbonate by making your own magnesium bicarbonate super water in your home. You can make the chlorine dioxide in your home too. You can buy it ready-made. You can buy magnesium bicarbonate water ready-made. Or you can make it at home very inexpensively. Talk about humanitarian medicine. These three are superstar medicines. The pharmaceutical companies have nothing, nothing that can stand up to these three things. Wow. And the reality, part of the answer to your question is it's malpractice to give any pharmaceutical without, let's say these three medicines, but let's just talk about magnesium. Most most pharmaceuticals will drive down to drive down magnesium levels in the body. With over 80, and I think more like 90, 95% of people deficient in magnesium, it's a sin, which is another word for mistake, malpractice, to give something to drive magnesium levels further down without giving magnesium. It's common sense. It's logical. I, I, you know, some my kids think I'm brilliant, but you know, my mother never thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's if you just think clearly and see these things. COVID. When did you ever see in all the people who are talking about COVID who are against COVID effects? Do you ever hear any of them talk about magnesium? But the research is very solid. If you're deficient in magnesium, COVID is going to be much worse. Would the Western medical establishment ever mention something that so basic and so simple? That's why I don't trust them. I'd rather die than be wheeled into a hospital. I've always said you're going to have to wheel me in feet first. I don't want to die in a hospital. Gosh, yeah, I feel you completely. And I have to say, I tend towards rose-colored glasses. Uh, very, very naive, always seeing, you know, the best and kind of thinking everybody thinks like I do, right? But huge mistake. I, I've learned so much in the last several years. Growing up, my father took a lot of pharmaceuticals. And because of that, I shunned them. I just didn't want anything to do with them. So that was a that was the end of the story for me. And my students were always talking about big pharma. And I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's just, you know, whatever. But as I dug deeper into it, seeing my mother uh, be butchered through surgeries after surgery and be on 30 different medications with side effects were worse than the cure. And then I found out 
for example, that like an osteoporotic medicine has a 20 year half-life. Like I feel that is, um, oh gosh, that is the most unethical thing for people to take a drug that stays in their body that long and them not to sign off on it or no, it's, it lacks complete ethics. So I, I hear where you're going with that. And <coughs> I went to the emergency room once because of a really bad fall on my foot. And the, the nurse was livid because I wouldn't let her take my temperature because <laughs> I knew I didn't have a fever. My foot was injured. And, you know, you can't tell them, no, they're so rigidly and dogmatically trained and everything is basically wrong with conventional medicine, unless it's they're, you know, doing a surgery or just an acute emergency or they're working to help someone who was disabled or a child with a cleft lip, something like that. So, okay. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And speaking of COVID, uh, the C word, <laughs> I read an incredible article that I, I don't think I've been able to locate it since, but it was like 20 pages and it was talking about selenium deficiency in the soil in Eurasia. And that's why the zoonotic illnesses take foothold so quickly because selenium protects the lungs and these viral influenza respiratory infections. I just thought that was mind blowing, a, a mineral, right? It's, it's beautiful. So, okay. So for those who don't know, what is pastoral medicine? Wait, no, no, no. Let's go back. Let's talk, about, go back. <laughs> let's talk about selenium. Let's do it. Okay. In the right form, which is a lipid-based selenium, selenium bonded to a fat or lipid, which was developed by one of the greatest geniuses of the last century. I think he died in 1997 at age 101, Dr. Vivinci. He started studying selenium 20 years before any uh, anybody else. And he developed a line of lipids, minerals. But let's just talk about selenium. At the end of his life, he was a surgeon in New York City. And he was injecting this selenium as chemotherapy. It's the only selenium to use. For cancer patients... I recommend 30 drops a day, 10, 10, and 10, which is 15 milligrams of selenium. In medical science from, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, one of these golden standard research, double blind, whatever, basically said if you take 200 micrograms of selenium a day, you cut your chance of getting or dying of cancer by 50%. Wow. 15 milligrams is uh, five, is 75 times more. Wow. Any other form would be toxic at that level. Okay. So but, it's the form. This, it's the form, and with which is like a thousand times less toxic. You just put it under your tongue. You don't have to inject it. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to tell anybody you're treating cancer for it. You talk about pharmaceuticals. Well, you got to try that before you go to chemo, to a poison. You know, the Absolutely. biggest deception 
of modern medicine is they think poisons is going to cure somebody. Poisons never cure anybody. They just don't. Nobody. Okay. So, you know, everybody's going to want to know. It's going to be in the comment section. Where do they, can they, where can they get this? On my site, on drcircus.com, you'll see at the top on the menu, the protocol page. You scroll down, I think it's item number seven or five, and you see a link to it. Okay. And can they also get the um, chlorine, was it deoxide? Chlorine, no, that's not on my, well, I have many articles on my site. I would recommend people uh, get my book which is at the top of my site, which is Forbidden Cures. But right on the first page is a essay called The Tiger Tank of Modern Medicine, which is chlorine dioxide. In 1987, NASA, and I, I read the, the NASA journal 10 times to double check and double check. They called it the universal antidote. In 1992, I think it was, I don't know. You'll see this in the article about the tiger tank. Okay. Uh, the chem, uh, I think it was the chem, uh, one of the big chemistry organizations also declared it that it kills viruses, bacteria, and fungus, which is why the, the, the water people use it and campers use it. And at the bottom, you'll see two links. On the left, you'll see a video by uh, Andreas Klauker, how to make it yourself at home. You have to buy just two chemicals, have a shot glass, a mason jar, those glass jars that have a glass lid, put water in it, put two, five milligrams of each chemical in the shot glass, put it in the mason jar, put it in the refrigerator, and the, out of the chemical comes the gas that goes into the water. On the right side, you'll see a link to a company in the United States that sells it ready-made. Okay. And it's not expensive. Incredible. I and it's legal. As long as you don't say you're treating your disease with it, it's legal. If you say you're treating your disease with it and you start bragging about it, the FDA SWAT guns, they'll come right into your bathroom and. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing and uh, sharing about the selenium drops too. Cause I have seen your videos about that and I was so intrigued and fascinated. I just hadn't had a chance to follow up, but in review, you're saying that the little selenium capsules are not as safe as the liquid selenium, especially for therapeutic dosages. Correct. For therapy, yes. As a medicine, as a supplement, the, the others are fine. To take okay. 200, 400, 600 micrograms, even 800 micrograms. Safe. But if you want, you want to use it as chemo, that kind of therapeutic power, no. Wow, incredible, incredible. Okay. Um, so I know a lot of people want to get their selenium from Brazil nuts. And I know sometimes the Brazil nuts can be moldy and they're just, they're not my favorite nut for a long time. I would do an ounce of smoked dulse with like two Brazil nuts kind of roasted in the morning with a couple of eggs or yolks, but I don't do that anymore. And I was just curious on your thoughts about relying on Brazil nuts for their, for your selenium. What do you have a thought on that? Well, I live in Brazil. So the Brazil nuts here are fresh. So you don't have the problems with mold. 
Sure. If you can't, you know, people around the world have more access to Brazil nuts than this form of selenium. You can grind them up. You can take 10 a day, which would be about one milligram. Probably take, need to take 15 a day to get one milligram. Grind them up, put them on your salad, put them in your juice. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I never thought of grinding them and kind of using them as a garnish, but I always see where they say like don't eat more than five a day because you can your hair will fall out and they're toxic, but you don't agree with that. Not so much. Okay. So the next question is <laughs> in a nutshell, what is pastoral medicine? Is it a way to kind of legally be able to say treat, diagnose, and prescribe without getting in trouble? Like an ecclesiastical licensure? No. Okay. Pastoral medicine is about, I don't know, 1,500 years old. It was was part of the Catholic Church. It was what the the monks or the priests who were treating disease with herbal medicine. So it's an old tradition. There's a Knights organization. I was invited into it, and then I... I refused to go into it, but there's a knights. They were going to take me to Italy and make me a knight. That also revolved around this pastoral medicine. Uh, for me, I, I, I'm, you know, I got licensed by the, these people. But for me, what it means is what my deeper part of medicine. I'm, a, I'm really a doctor of the soul, even though I've been. You know, most of my books, not all of my books, most of my books, 90% of them are about the physical body. But my real work, like here in Brazil, people have been wanting to come down here through the years. And I say the only reason to come to see me personally is to do the deeper work I do. And we can talk about that, which is soul medicine, psychology. I'm a psychologist. I'm a I'm a color psychologist, which in Harvard University they would say perceptual psychologist, and um, I'm a communication psychologist, which I invented. <laughs> and I'm not probably the only communication psychologist in the world, which really means listening psychologist. And uh, I had a, a kind of a friend patient came to see me. Um, a month or so ago, and she had like a precancerous situation, didn't have cancer yet, and she was out of out of the pattern. I didn't have any forms on her. I didn't have any start my normal starting place. So I asked her a question: Why do you have this condition? And like a pit bull, I kept at it, kept asking her and probing her to get down to what the pattern was in her. And finally, I got to it. Took me probably at least an hour. And basically, her basic problem is she didn't take care of herself. Her last marriage, her husband died at 92 years old, who was 25 years older than her, who was a friend of mine, very famous doctor here in Brazil. She All she did was take care of him. She didn't take care of herself. 
Her last husband before that was abusive. She was married to an abusive person for 25 years. She didn't take care of herself. So I call that treating and addressing the soul level. And that's really at least face to face. I mean, my regular, you know, my real work in the world is online. I'm a teacher. I'm not a clinician. I don't practice medicine. I teach people how to treat themselves at home. I teach people how to set up an eye for cancer patients, which is most I work with. I teach people how to set up an ICU level, natural style, at home. That's my work. And so people don't need to, what I teach people to do at home, they don't need to come to my home to do that. So that's where I do the deeper work. Of course, I put this patient on hydrogen and she loves it, hydrogen inhalation and the chlorine dioxide and some magnesium bicarbonate water. And I told her after a week, she called me. I said, what she told me, I said, I should charge you triple because it was such a success. Incredible. So on that note, I mean, that's really, really beautiful stuff. And it's very, very empowering for anyone watching or just, I feel when people get such a serious diagnosis, they do feel really powerless. And I think it's easy for people to give up and be hopeless. So you provide a lot of hope for people, which is incredible. But do you think the root cause of all disease is an emotional element? Or do you think some things are literally just the terrain, uh, the material world? Can can you get something and get sick without having an emotional component, or do they are they always go hand in hand, or what do you think? I'm I'm really not a fanatic about anything. Maybe about listening, and maybe because one of my part one part of my protocol is called the tears of the melting heart. My most basic belief is about the vulnerability of the heart. So I can, you know, and most people today are not in their hearts, they're in their heads, and that itself is, is a dis-ease. It's True. Not, not, so you're not an all or nothing type of man. No. You, no. everything is relative, right? It's just, there's no putting things in a box for you, really, it sounds like. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a medicine called the New Medicine from Germany. Right. And they basically believe what you said, that all cancer, it's basically okay. talking about cancer, all cancer starts with a problem Emotional. in the brain. Right. And what they say, though, what they say is all. They use the word all. Wow. Okay. And that word breaks the general, second law of general semantics. It never is all. Perfect. Yeah, that's really enlightening for everyone because I know it's really safe for people to think in terms like that. But I I mean, I, I don't pretend to know everything and I really wanted to get your opinion on it. And that's I really feel like that's sage advice. And as a side note for anyone watching, new German medicine is very controversial and we talk about that inside of our program, not that there's no good to be found there, just saying we go over all the different types of medicine and that is one that is a bit controversial. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. I like the I like their their approach. I think most cancer does have a 
physio, a psychological, emotional, spiritual uh, source. Also, toxicity. You know, toxicity is not an emotion. The, the fact that we pollute the planet with mercury 20 tons a day into the atmosphere. That's not an emotional thing. Right. Absolutely. Can So for someone who's a little bit ignorant about that, like myself, can you tell me just briefly, is this mercury from cars and where, where is this mercury coming from? Factories, cars? It, it mo mostly comes from coal-fired plants, energy electric plants, which they've been building like crazy in India and China. I wrote my book, The Rising Tide of Mercury, oh, how many, more than 15 years ago. And at that time already, it was 20, to 20 tons of mercury coming out a day. But it comes out of coal-fired plants, it comes out of crematoriums, because they, they, they burn people with mercury fillings in their mouth, goes into the atmosphere. It comes from, um, oh, I forgot the name of it, these plants that make a chemical, then they use mercury, comes from gold mines where they use mercury. It comes from dentists who put a very concentrated mercury a few inches from the brain. And they these mercury fillings leak 24-7. So they're going into the environment. It's just a cycle. It sounds like that it's going in and it's coming down and it's it's everywhere. It's um, everywhere. Okay. And the, the only re the only reason you can eat tuna fish, which is very high in mercury. Right. Is because in the tuna fish, it's not just mercury, it's selenomercury. It's mercury bonded to selenium. Wow. which the ocean has lots of it when the two are bond, and that's why mercury is one of the most necessary medicines today because it's it's not a collator it won't pull the mercury out of a cell but any mercury that's floating around it'll bind to it the two mercury and selenium have a very strong affinity they bind to each other and then the body can get rid of it wow so if I take when, when I do take selenium or if I eat a selenium rich food like Brazil nuts or lamb, uh, is it helping, you know, magnetize any mercury in my body and pull it out? Some of it. Yeah. Some of it. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. It's hard to visualize. <coughs> it's hard to visualize. I believe you said 200 tons of mercury a day. Like what? I mean, no, 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 no. 20, 20, but if you put mer a, a little drop of mercury on the head of a, 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 a nail, that's enough mercury to pollute a small-sized lake. Oh, my gosh. Now think about 20 tons a day. And that's, that number comes from 15, 20 years ago. Okay, I feel you. So we are not only breathing it in, we're also absorbing it in our actual physical body besides our the air. So it's it's everywhere. And you're basically saying this is one of the biggest problems on the planet, it sounds like. Well, it also has bred insanity. It does, actually, it's a mercury is a neurological poison. Right, right. It's such a big problem that it's created the biggest lie in the history of humanity. And the most nasty people on the planet, starting with Bill Gates, 
present in the United States is climate change. The problem of the smokestacks from industries, especially coal-fired, is not the CO2, it's the mercury. But they won't say a word, not one. You won't see, you can read the paper for the next 20 years, you will not see one word about mercury pollution. And they want to destroy billions of people with this incredible, crazy fanaticism about carbon dioxide. Plants love carbon dioxide. If you don't have enough carbon dioxide in your blood, you're not going to have enough oxygen delivered to the cells. You're going to become acidic. And, you know, so for, for human beings, and it's the basis part of the my bicarbonate book, is bicarbonate, it, it's a medicine. It saves lives. It makes helps people stay healthy, live longer. And here they are selling it as the, the gas that's going to destroy the world when it's mercury that is slowly, it's not the only thing, but it's a big, especially the people who have, they put the mercury right in the mouth. Yeah, I had a lot um, in my mouth from 14 until probably 20, and I had them all removed. Um, and it was not a fun process, uh, but I had a really holistic dentist. And uh, I'm really glad that my boyfriend at the time pushed me to do it. We both did it. And I'm just really grateful that uh, he was, you know, more involved than I was at the time. I was clueless, but I was like, okay, whatever, let's go do it, you know, and I'm so glad that I did it. But that's so you're basically saying they really demonize carbon dioxide. And that's not the issue. It's other particulate matter along with mercury. Thank you for sharing that with us. So before we move on to the next question, is tuna safe to eat? Because I've heard skipjack is safe because it's younger and doesn't have as much mercury concentrations, but because of the Salino um, connected with the tuna, I mean, is tuna safe to eat? Is regular tuna safe to eat then? Because I always avoid it, but I do love it. I'm just curious what your opinion is. Well, I've never understood how they can preserve mercury in a can. I don't understand it. But I do eat it. I do not so much, but I do love it. And as I said, it's selenium mercury. So there's a level of protection that would be impossible without the selenium. Okay. Yeah. So so you so mercury would it evaporate out of the can or why why did you say that I didn't follow? You said how they met. No, I, no, I said I don't know how they preserve it. How you can eat a can of tuna fish, fish, a year or two years later if that's been preserved. I, I don't know. Right, right. Canned foods. Um, yeah, I grew up canning foods, so I just assume it's like a canned food. Um, but that's a good, that's interesting, very interesting, bizarre too, because fish rots in like a day or two. Um, so. You talk about breathing to live longer and breath retraining, which um, we're going to be adding to our program as required reading um, in our holistic health module. We have some breathing lessons already, but they're very dry. It's taught through like um, the, the lectures. They're very, very dry. Um, so we're going to be adding that. And I know breathing is good for nervous system regulation. So I'm excited to add these, but um 
let's see. I said, and what I wouldn't have known about this um, work of yours and breathing had it not been for researching more about you and preparing for this interview. Um, so I haven't got to finish the book. I, I, I just, I was research, researching for this interview and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much more work than sodium bicarbonate. Um, so breathing seems like such a simple thing, yet people um, in the know, like us, I've heard statistics 20 years ago that doing yoga can prevent up to 70% of cancer because it oxygenates the body. Super bizarre, super simple, super basic. Um, and this has been known for decades. Uh, so anyone who's watching, if you want to learn more about this, it's in his book. We'll link to his site below. But my question to you is, do you actively practice breathing techniques or has has it become second nature for you, just something you do on autopilot? I've been doing it for about nine years, and I do it more now than I did in the earlier years. Breathing is really good for keeping you alive. And the most important thing in your life, in my life, in everybody's life, is their next breath. If you don't take it, you're dead. In about three minutes, some people could take up to four minutes, maximum five minutes, you're dead. So it's important. So how you breathe is important. When I was born 70 years ago, the medical norm for breathing was eight breaths a minute. They've now changed that because everybody's breathing faster for whatever reason. The world is faster, more stress, worse food, whatever, more emotional stuff. So the faster you, and this is very related to the sodium bicarbonate. Exercise is very healthy. And one of the reasons we can say it is, is because we create a lot of carbon dioxide. When you're exercising, you're creating, a, especially strenuously, you create a lot of carbon dioxide. You have to breathe faster to get rid of the excess. Wow. And by consequence, you get a lot more oxygen. Right. But when you're sleeping, eating, watching TV, being on your excuse me, computer, and you're breathing too fast, most people are breathing at 12, 13, 14, cancer patients, 18, 20, sometimes 25. Wow. What's happening? The faster you breathe, the more you're getting rid of too much CO2. You're driving down the CO2 levels in the blood into deficiency. And the oxygen goes down with it because oxygen and CO2, they're like the ultimate yin-yang. One goes down, the other goes down. One goes up, the other goes up. Wow. So fast breathers, and it's one of the basic causes of cancer. They're deficient in CO2. They become hypoxic and usually in one area of the body more than others. And can't, cells have, when faced with hypoxia, when faced with oxygen deficiency, they have two choices. They can die, or they can go into survival mode, which we can call cancer, oh, wow. which basically means the cells change from 
normal respiration in the mitochondria using oxygen. They don't have enough oxygen. They don't have enough CO2. So they switch to fermentation. And we call that cancer. The thing about breathing is that, and it's simple, there's a device I, I promote to everybody, which is what I use every day. I do I do yoga every day. I do some some breathing in my yoga. But with this breathe this machine from Russia, it's $50. It's a little thing, has little water in it. Breathe in through your nose, and you breathe out, and the, your air goes through the bubble, the water, and you blow bubbles. Very simple, and it puts the brakes on your exhale. It slows your breathing down. Wow. In my, you probably, you know, you probably, you know, really, you read my my bicarbonate book, and in it I talk about a patient named Vernon Johnston. He had prostate cancer. It had spread to the bones. He was going to use cesium chloride, but got lost in the mail. And his brother-in-law said, why don't you use bicarbonate, baking soda? He did two things perfectly. He did enough bicarbonate to get his urinary pH up to eight. Okay. He did that for a month. And he did something I never could do. I never knew anybody could do it. He didn't have one of these little simple machines. He breathed consciously four hours a day. In 30 days, he went to a, for a CAT scan, and he had no bone cancer and no prostate cancer. If you do things right and do things to an extreme like he did, there's a lot of power in that. That's incredible. Um, as a side note, did he get on iodine too, or was that not a factor because I when I think of prostate and breast and endocrine system cancers I always think of iodine so was that really an issue or did everything just work out without that or was that part of the protocol he, uh, he wasn't a patient of mine oh okay I, he he was uh, reported this to me and no I don't think he did iodine. yeah that's great that's incredible um <laughs> that's great that you do yoga did you need to take um a break or anything i need to tell somebody to stop messaging me hold on one sure second. okay okay Okay, now where are you? I'm back. Okay, great. So um, from my understanding, somewhere I, I wrote this based on what I, I interpreted you saying that we get cancer from the air we breathe. Um, and so my question was, do you use any kind of filter, one of those machines to filter your air? Do you just have your windows open regularly? I live in paradise. That's my filter. Wow, incredible, incredible. Okay, so... Um, people that don't live in paradise, would you say, I always suggest people just air out the window, air out the home, even keep a little window cracked, even in the winter, even with the heat on just a little bitty crack really can do a lot. Um, so that's what I suggest. 
those machines sometimes they're just like bisphenol a laden it's like cleaning your question what i'm losing you okay are we are you frozen can you hear me oh there you are i see you now i'm not but but you are well i can see you i wait a minute okay uh, okay. Okay. So, um, we're going to go back to cancer because I had so much stuff to talk to you about. I couldn't organize it all in perfect order. Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. There you are now. So, I don't know if you've heard about this um, in an anonymous study of uh, supposedly oncologists were questioned if they would give their family chemotherapy and literally every one of them said, no, I don't know if that's an urban legend, but have you ever heard that? You're brave. So I didn't hear your whole communication. Oh, Okay. Um, so have you heard the study where oncologists were asked if they would give their family member chemo and they all said no? You've heard that. Okay. Um, so my, my other question is, um, you know, some people get chemo and they, it appears to make their cancer go away. Like I had a cousin who had breast cancer. She got chemo. I offered my services to her, but some people are really mainstream and um, anyway, supposedly she's cured. So how do you explain that if chemo you know, doesn't really help? What is your opinion on how these people experience a regression, supposedly? Or is it a heavy price to pay for that result? It's a heavy price to pay. And the price is the future. Is reoccurring cancer. You know, they don't want to talk about after five years, the, the rates. Okay. Because in the long term, when you poison a person, you poison a person. And in the long term, even though you might in the short term deal with something, kill. you go, And that's why one of the reasons chlorine dioxide is so good, because it's like, it's like, Chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is an oxidative therapy. That's why they don't want you to take antioxidants. Chlorine dioxide is oxidative. And so it is, it's a, definitely should be used by cancer patients. The, the idea behind chemo is to kill, poison the cancer cells, hopefully before you kill the, the person. Uh, yeah. One, one of the reasons, especially in the older forms of chemo, they would give bicarbonate to neutralize some of the toxicity so the cancer patient wouldn't die right in front of the doctors. And who knows what was curing the patients, the, key, the bicarbonate or the, the chemo? Absolutely. And whenever people criticize people using sodium bicarbonate for cancer, um, 
and that they actually use it in conjunction with chemotherapy is it blows my it blows my mind it's like you it's it defies logic and um i have some more to talk about with that later all this stuff is so mind-blowing um but basically someone can use selenium the oil and the chlorine dioxide for a cancer treatment simultaneously is my understanding i assume yeah i'm i'm very rigid about a concept about protocol medicine in protocol medicine in uh, pharmaceutical medicine is ridiculous you know, the most I ever had heard of a patient was 27 medicines. You mentioned your mother was on 30. That makes the patient into a guinea pig because there's not a doctor in the world, not one, not a pharmaceutical company in the world who's done studies on how these different poisons, when you mix them together, what's the soup? You might as well be a witch. <laughs> right. And be doing a and doing a pot and throwing things in and see what happens. Right. That's from modern pharmaceutical medicine is that way. Wow. In natural medicine, it only makes sense to mix. I have about 30 items in my protocol, including the tears of the melting heart. Cool. I would never, ne never suggest People bet their lives on just sodium bicarbonate, mm. just chlorine dioxide, just iodine. That's beautiful. I love it. You combine them. Wow. And it's 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 perfect because that is how the body works. You eat food. Good food has every, almost everything in it right. mixed together. The body is used to taking in nutritional agents. Wow. Incredible. Um, okay. So, um, we were talking about breathing. I, we're going to, we're going to bounce around, but I, you're, I consider it a cannabis expert and you have an old book and then you have a new book and they may be combined and overlapped. But, um, my question to you is when it comes to cannabis, do you consume it? And if so, what medium and what is your accessibility where you live? And if, you know, just <laughs> however you want. Well, obviously I wrote about it because I know about it and I use it. Okay. Let's, but it's past tense. After 50 years of using it, it's a little bit toxic to my body. My mind loves it. My emotions love it. My spirit loves it. But my body doesn't love it. It's like the end of the line. Wow. There is some tox, toxic, you know, it's a medicine. It's natural. It's not known to have killed anybody where aspirin, Tylenol, all the different forms of aspirin, I think, kill thousands of people every year in the United States alone. Right. So it's safe. It's not good for everybody. Right. But it's a God-given medicine. It can be used in many ways. You don't have to get high using it. You right. can eat it raw, raw, put it in a blender and make eat it as a food. You don't get high because it's not cooked, it's not heated. Mm -hmm. 
It's a good form of chemotherapy. Better than all the natural, the pharmaceutical forms. Right. So at this point in my life, you know, in my writings, I give some balance to it, meaning, I mean, you can do too much of anything. You can right. do too much bicarbonate. Right. But for people who are suffering, you know, it's it's not it's a no brainer. Do you, right. do you use op opioids or you use marijuana? Absolutely. No, it's a no brainer. Um, but you know, um when you did use it, was your preferred method smoking? Okay, and then um did you also like to eat it heated or I know some people prefer smoking it and they don't like edibles and some people only like edibles. And I was just curious about your preferences when you did consume. Yeah. You know, I have oil. I have the, you know, uh, hemp oil. For pain I, and topical. Well, I've used it most, well, I've used it topically. It's nice. And at very low dosages, it's kind of relaxing. Okay. Better, better, better than all the pharmaceutical sleep right. medicines. Right. I completely agree. But you're able to use the hemp oil internally, and it still is relaxes you, but not really a high. Is that right? Yeah, at low dosages, it doesn't get you high. Okay. Um, but yeah. I, I, I'm detoxing from all of it. Yeah, no, I feel you. I I always just had an affinity for it. And it's so funny because I have um, like three girlfriends that they just, they can't do cannabis. Um, it doesn't work for them. It doesn't work for everybody. And it's really interesting if we studied it further, why, that, why it has a different effect on some people who prefer it and who don't. But uh, for me, just getting older, um, yeah, I just, I, I quit for six years one time and then started again and then quit again and start again and quit again. And I love it. I wish there was like a button I could push to feel that way, but I just, you know, the vaporizing and the, the liquid vapes and the dabs and the flower, it's just like, it's a lot of work and the flower is just easier, but, uh, you know, cannabis abuse disorder is a real thing, especially, um, I believe I read in some of your stuff that it's it's great for, you know, emotional trauma and just kind of getting you through a moment, you know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was just curious about that because because you wrote the book. So thank you for sharing. Uh, do you have anything else before we move on about that, like cannabis abuse disorder? Do you have any thoughts? There's a book by an acupuncturist. I guess he's in California. It's a very thick book. And the whole book is about treating the the side effects of marijuana. He basically says it's it's hot and it's drying, mm. and that's what it does to my nervous system. It just creates at this point creates inflammation. I feel you. Yeah. So I need to, I need to go tonight. Okay. Tonight. I'm being a. I mean, I'm being officially declared in Brazil as a good person. <laughs> Congratulations! The government, the, gov the, the government is awarding me. Then um, it has a special name, but basically, I'm going to become like I was born in Brazil <laughs> and have all the rights of a, 
<clears throat> excuse me, everybody. I've had this, just getting over the <laughs> right. flu. Right. It gives me all the rights of a Brazilian. And it's being given to me for the good work I've done here in Brazil, which is really not in the medical world, but in my little community where I live in a deep valley at the end of the world, we have a Quilombola organization, which is an organization of ex-slaves. And I've helped with the, uh, with the water system. I built this organization, a little house at the bridge, the only entrance into our town is a little bridge. I built this thing for them. I've done many things, fixed the roads. Wow. So I'm being recognized as a good person. <laughs> so well, that you are. To... Well, congratulations. And thank you so much for your time. It was incredible. The only thing I'd want to mention that we didn't talk about today is my, my most recent book is, um, Forbidden Cures. The book before that was Hydrogen Medicine. I had a patient today from Turkey, 15-year-old girl, brain cancer, already sleeping almost all the time, affecting one side of the body. And it was very nice that they already had a hydrogen machine. I'm very much, look at my skin. I'm 70 years old. You don't look 70 at all. What did this to me was hydrogen inhalation. Wow. About two and a half years ago, or three, almost three years ago, a, comp a big a company in Australia gave me a very, the most expensive hydrogen machine. It was so quiet and so easy to use. I'd sleep on it every night for six months. Wow. Look what it did to my skin. So that that's the real Botox. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, I you're a wealth of knowledge. Um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and um, yeah, and enjoy your thing tonight. And um, I will email you. And one more thing. One yes, more yes. thing. I turned seventy in end of September. In the beginning of October, I went to the big city, Brasilia, the federal capital here, about three hours, to visit a new friend who's a, not an MD, but a doctor. Her husband is an MD. And I was in their office, and her husband pricked my finger, which I don't like, but took a blood, put it on a microscope, and put it on a big screen. And he called everybody into the office, and he said, look at this guy. He's 70 years old, and look at his blood. He has the blood of a 15-year-old. And that, this year, my whole, I stopped using hydrogen for almost six months. I'm back on it now. I did exclusively so I could really see what it would do to me, the chlorine dioxide. Mm. And the chlorine dioxide, is first effect is in the blood. Totally necessary for COVID patients. Totally necessary for vaccinated COVID patients. It does a wonder job. It did for me, my blood. Wow. So that you're attributing that to the chlorine dioxide and the anti-aging to the hydrogen. Exactly. Wow. I mean, you look like you're in your 50s to me. So 
Yeah, that's incredible. Um, wow. Well, we didn't get through everything. I will email you if you ever have time to just on a whim, you're back in town and you, we can get through um, the rest of it. I mean, I, I didn't expect to get everything in. So enjoy your evening. Congratulations. You deserve all of that and more. And um, thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful. Thanks for having me, Ava. It was a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe. For more info on how you can become a holistic provider, visit us online at schoolofholisticmedicine.com.